Eliminate all non-essential functions. Have the crew gather in common areas. Shut everything else down. Coming up, Riker and the crew of the Titan race against time to avoid certain death as the crippled ship faces imminent destruction. The changeling saboteur killed our transporter officer. He could look like anyone by now. Go get the bastard. Seven of Nine scours the ship to flesh out the changeling saboteur. I think we need to talk about the elephant in the room. Yes, of course. Picard finds out why Jack never reached out to him. He was on that Borg cube, setting the world on fire! Shaw goes ballistic on Jean-Luc. All this and more, coming up on the Star Trek Picard edition of Energize. 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 We're jumping to warp speed with Jean-Luc Picard and the Star Trek Next Generation crew. You're listening to Energize, a Star Trek Picard podcast. Your source for in-depth analysis, colorful debate, and exciting discussions about the final adventure of Admiral Jean-Luc Picard and the Enterprise D crew. I'm your host, Anthony McLemore. And I'm Steve Truitt. This week, the Titan suffers through limited power and little time to save the ship. Meanwhile, the Changeling saboteur on board is on the run and Seven of Nine is in hot pursuit. Can Picard and Riker figure out a way to escape the nebula? And will the Shrike keep the Titan pinned in? Here's a warp speed recap of Star Trek Picard Episode 4, No Win Scenario. Our shields can't take much more of this. Hold power from other systems. There's nothing to pull from, sir. Massive loss of power. We're down to 9%, and the more systems we use, the faster it depletes. We're bleeding to death. The Titan's dead in the water. We estimate about four hours until the ship is crushed by the gravity well. Jean-Luc, there's a pattern. This, this, this gravity well we're in, it's drawing in matter and expelling energy. If we knew when those waves were coming, maybe we could plug into them get a little extra juice and then we could hitch a ride out of here. Shut down everything you can. Transfer all power to the thrusters. Transfer sequence complete, diverting last remaining power to main thrusters. Seeing as you're the only one here with any real experience flying blind, Admiral, you have the con. Good luck, everyone. Engage. All right, Steve, when we left off, we found out that there's a changeling plot against the Federation, an actual changeling saboteur aboard the Titan, and which is the reason why the Shrike has been able to track track the Titan into the nebula and Riker reluctantly... uh, Dang, I don't know what happened. I know know what happened yesterday. Okay, one more time and and I'll be on. Here we go. Okay, when we last left off, we found out that there's a changeling plot against the Federation. There's an actual changeling saboteur aboard the Titan, which is why the Shrike has been able to track the Titan in the nebula. And Riker reluctantly took Picard's offensive battle, uh, offensive battle strategy that left the Titan dead in the water, or rather in space, sinking towards a gravity well that will destroy the ship. Yeah, Things I- are looking 
pretty bleak. Yeah, I think it's safe to say um, this is the one of the few times I've ever actually started to believe they may not make it out. I mean, I knew with with uh, TNG, yeah, there's next week they're going to survive. This one really is dire. We got, you know, it's a lot going on here. Yeah, the way it looks, I, I mean, of course, obviously some people are going to make it out, but I thought that there were just going to be casualties galore. Yeah, uh, it's surprising to me that there weren't, but I think that was the Shrikes thing too. This seems more like a cat playing with a mouse, not killing it, just messing with it, like the Shrike would do, the bird would do, same thing. Everything she promised Amanda Plummer is coming true. I'm just going to pick at you. Admiral Picard, sir, I'm sorry, but... I've always wanted to ask you something about your encounter with the Herogen. Your book just talks about the diplomatic situation, but we heard the Alpha actually hunted you. Did you ever find out how they got to the Quadrant? Did Admiral Janeway offer any advice? So we jumped to five years earlier and we find Picard alone in a bar having uh, fish and chips. <laughs> typical, <laughs> His lunch. Typical British fare. Totally. Yes. And, yeah, and then he's approached by a bunch of Starfleet cadets, cadets eager yeah. to hear his stories about how he escaped peril. Because clearly he's written a novel, and they're all excited. They want to know uh, more stories beyond yeah. what he wrote in the book. Which to me is a funny little oxymoron, not oxymoron, but a, a strange um, contradiction because he writes a novel and then it's like, well, I'm not much of a storyteller. Um, but I think that that shows his cheekiness and his his also his you know need to be alone and he has it just keeps cementing the thing I'm a I'm a lone wolf exactly but the biggest thing that he shares with uh, the cadets in that moment is no matter how bleak or unwinnable the situation as long as you and your crew remain steadfast in your dedication to one another you're never without hope and you know I actually like that because you know that that reminds me of of working on projects, being on jobs yeah. where, um, you know, things are, you know, I've worked on some pretty tough gigs and it seemed bleak, but what got us through were the people that surrounded me. I agree with that. And, you know, and, and if you really think about anyone who's served in the military, guys go back for second, third, fourth rounds, you know, uh, fourth tours in Iraq, Afghanistan and other places. They go back because of their buddies. They don't want to leave them alone. And it is that camaraderie that does get them through. And Picard has always been, despite uh, being a curmudgeon now and then, has always been about hope. Massive loss of power. We're down to 9%. The more systems we use, the faster it depletes. We're bleeding to death. What if we divert everything from the warp core or the impulse reactors? Either way, we go into meltdown. Even temporarily? We won't have the power to reverse the process. It's a chain reaction. What about weapons, Murrah? Already at zero, sir. So we jump back to the Titan and things are hopeless. We we find Picard alone. And this is right after he was dismissed from the bridge. And he he just, he, uh, he looks dejected. Sure, and he's looking out these very narrow windows. It's not the typical large space that we're used to. Uh, I can't tell if it's a, a quarters or if it's some kind of holding room. But yeah, it's it's bad. And while this is going on, we've got this, I don't know if you call it a ticking clock, or it's just this sense of like, listen, we're sinking. We're This ship is going down. And how interesting that it's the Titan and the Titanic sank. I kind of got that same feeling. Like, we're going down, and there's no stopping it. There's just no stopping it. Yeah, and so Riker's on the bridge, and everyone's informing him that every system is running out of power. 
all the way down to life support. And so it's a horrible situation and a lot of choices are, are having to be made. And like you said before, it does feel like the Titanic. It feels like everyone knows that they're out of options and all hope is lost. This ship is going down and there's nothing we can do about it. And yet there's this strange thing happening this some bio wave remember when we first were introduced to the nebula it's like there's there's not only electrical signals and other things but there's biological and you and i commented on that maybe two episodes ago well now it's really going to come into play exactly so we don't have an explanation but i'm sure we will soon (laughs) because we saw the episode (laughs) <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we estimate about four hours until the ship is crushed by the gravity well. But we'll probably have run out of life support by then. You were right before. This is the end, my friend. And if I were you, I'd take the next few hours to get to know your son. So uh, Riker meets with Picard, right? And Picard, uh, so Picard tries to apologize, but Riker, you know, cuts him off and surprisingly admits to Picard that he was right about but, Picard's assumption that his hesitation has to do with the loss of his son. Which, okay, which I get, right? And I didn't understand it until now. That's why Riker listened to Picard and turned around and attacked because he's like, in my heart, I know he's right, but I'm the captain. What do I do? Shoot. Jean-Luc is right. Let's go attack. And it turns out that Picard was wrong strategically. Um, But we didn't get that admission from Picard. We just got Riker coming in hat in hand saying, hey, man, you know, and then he explains it. It's a beautiful moment how he explains what has been troubling him, the loss of his son. Um, and he's like, look, we've we've been all over the galaxy together and we have never really found out what's beyond our own mortality. I, It was a great moment for the actor, um, Jonathan Frakes, as well as his character, I think, because I think he played it great. Yep. And it was a good explanation for why uh, he was so eager to help Picard and leave his family. And um, I'm sure that once uh, Deanna Troy comes into the, the picture, we'll, we'll get even more uh, context. Yeah. Um, but Riker concedes that, that he tells Picard, he concedes, you know, this is the end. Get your affairs in order, Picard. Go, go spend time with your son. Because this what? is the end. I mean, this is a Titanic feeling all over again when everybody uh, in uh, James Cameron's picture, everybody knows. And the ba- But the band still plays, right? So... I, I want to remember that. Put a pin in that because because there is a, an analogy or an allegory to that within this show, and I'll explain that in a second. All right. The Changeling Saboteur killed our transporter officer, Ensign Foster. He could look like anyone by now. We have got to keep this quiet. So next, Seven of Nine. I love Seven of Nine. I've always oh been a big fan, and I think that her character just continues to grow in yeah. stature. And so she's such a badass. And so she searches the crew quarters of the changeling officer. Yeah. And find and she finds the real crewman that the changeling killed. And yeah. Assume the identity. Yeah. Ensign Foster. Yeah. So yeah, and he's he's obviously dead, which which confirms Jack's earlier report. You know, there is a changeling on board, but I just think seeing him there 
I got a chill up my spine in that moment. Like I kind of was in her shoes like, oh, my God, this is really real. I got to get I got to find this guy. And it could be anyone. Exactly. And so it, it, it does parallel Battlestar Galactica because right. changelings are the worst kind of enemy. They can be anyone. And like in, in, in the modern version of the, the 2000s Battlestar Galactica, yeah. they had Cylons that weren't robots. They looked like us. Sure. And so I was just like, wow, this is perfect. It, it, it feels very much the same. And so that's a terrifying prospect that the person next to you could be a changeling. Which is also a great way to write the episode early because now for the rest of the episode, we're going to wonder who the hell is it. And and that's a great exactly. way to, to keep us engaged, so to speak. Exactly. It's, it's thrilling. It's yeah. very, very thrilling. Yeah, they did so a great seven time. reports. Yeah. So Seven reports to Riker, and Riker wants to keep it quiet, but Seven initially disagrees. Yeah. But Riker has wisdom here. Yeah, right. He's been around the galaxy, as we all know. And he's basically saying, listen, it could be anyone. Just keep it quiet for now. Do your stealth work. Keep searching. And let's let this play out. And he was right. I know the time is precious, but do you think you could... Give me a moment or two with Jack. Of course I could. So we jump down to sick bay, and Beverly is counting the interval intervals between the biological energy surges that they've been experiencing when Picard walks in. Right, and he's got the, you know, <clears throat> he's more sullen than normal, and he's just like, this could be the end, and Beverly realizes... You know, she gets it. There's a, Here's the beauty of these two characters and these two actors. They leave so much to their expression and not their dialogue. They don't overwrite it. They just keep sharing looks at each other and we all get what they're thinking. And Picard's just like, can I just have some time with Jack? And Beverly's like, you got it. I get it. And she, she ducks out. And um, that also, great moment. Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, the, the best... The best shows don't always rely on writing. I mean, writing sometimes are the looks that are presented. I mean, it's all it all works together. And so they're doing a really good job of utilizing that. Plus, these characters have 35 years together, okay? The actors have 35 years. The writers, the producers, they've all been in the soup for decades. Um, they don't have to overwrite it. Now, I mentioned the band playing on in Titanic. To me something's going on with Beverly. She's doing this countdown. We don't know why. Five, four, three, two, one. Boom, there's the energy surge again. But to me, that's analogous to the band playing on. She's still working. She's in sickbay. She's getting things. Everyone else is like, okay, what are we going to do? What are she's like, I, she's on to something. She's playing that violin on that deck. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, well, we'll see what happens. Don't come. Can we talk? Officially, no. Unofficially? No. Something bigger is happening here. We have a major personnel problem, and nobody knows this ship better than you. So we go to Shaw's quarters, and Seven visits Shaw. And Shaw's a trip. She, you oh know, my God, I love him. You hear the chime on the door, and he's like, do not come. No. <laughs> <laughs> no do no, not enter. No. <laughs> he's such an ass. Yeah. But I, I, like, I, I like him. I like him. Well, here's the thing. I I, I would love to see him get his own spinoff. If anyone's listening, uh... Uh, let's let him have his own show. He is fantastic in that role. Yep, and I, I take back what I said 
um, in a previous episode of Energize that I wanted to see him get blown up. So uh, how dare you? <laughs> I, <laughs> well, I'm glad I mean, he's not dead. His character, yes, but his acting, no. Please, <laughs> <laughs> he's he's cool. He's cool. Yeah. But uh, so Seven, you know, debriefs and uh, tells him about the changing on board, and Shaw realizes for yeah. the first time that the events of the past few days are bigger than his issues with Riker and Picard. Um, but it isn't isn't clear. It still isn't clear how uh, they discovered the Titan. Right. So we have to leave that there. We're gonna, it obviously it gets resolved, but they, they just keep peppering us with question marks, and I just think it's just a really great way to go. It, it's it's just a really refreshing way to write the next generation with all of these uh, complex angles and so forth they've had time to do it they only need 10 episodes it's it's wonderful and we're loving it i mean we're we're the beneficiaries of yeah. of, of something really really beautiful that you know actually a lot of time and effort and thought yeah. was put into it yeah i want to record a private message for deanna troy recording proceed with message deanna i want you to know Recording paused. So we go to Riker, and he's he's sitting alone in, um, I guess, one of the ready rooms, and he's struggling to record a goodbye message to Deanna. All right. This is also, uh, they're really giving Riker and Jonathan Frakes here a, a really wonderful moment or, or many moments of, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not mea culpa, but just of a reality check. He, he, more than anybody, I think, is looking death in the mouth or in the eyes. <laughs> and he's he, he seems to be the only one kind of accepting it. And it is simply because Thaddeus and, and the backstory of that and losing his son... And I've never seen him so complex. And I, and of course, you know, Johnny Frakes also directed this episode, so I know he gave himself time to, to do this. Um, but but I love what they did with Riker in this episode. It's probably my favorite episode of Riker, probably ever, probably ever. No, it's wonderful, and you're correct. I mean, we're we're seeing him as more than I can't ever say that he was a one note during Next Generation, but he's definitely more complex. Um, in Picard, and uh, and I really do appreciate that. Well, he has but, the uh, mileage yeah. now, you know what I mean? And that's what makes him complex. In Next Generation, he was a young, tough guy, right? Put, putting his foot up on the console, uh, shoot first, ask question later kind of guy. Um, he, he, he's, he has so much mileage now, and we see it, and he lets himself play it out. It's I, I like it. But he cannot write... This message, so yeah. he never finishes it. And we know that's not the last time he's going to visit that, too. This is the other thing they're doing here is they're not leaving things out. They always wrap things up, so we'll get back to that, obviously. Holodeck program 10 forward activated. Oh, would you like to have a drink with me? I think we need to talk about the elephant in the room. The hair. Enjoy it while you can. So we go to Picard and Jack as they enter the hollow deck. So we yeah. can just see the hollow deck uh, once again. Yeah. Um, and so it's a simulation of that same bar that Picard was in when we jumped five years earlier. And plus, um, we well, yeah, we saw that, it, we saw it last season too with Guinan, young Guinan. It's it's called Ten Forward. 
Um, and he, he loves it for a lot of reasons. I was surprised Guinan wasn't in it, but I think it would have been a distraction maybe. Yep. And so uh, Jack gives us a really good misdirect by saying he wants to discuss the elephant in the room. And you're like, okay, so we're going to talk about why he never reached out to Picard. But right. no, he wants to talk about uh, why Picard is bald and essentially am I going to head in yeah. the same direction. And he's like, okay, so the hair. We need to talk about it. And he's yeah, like, how do you, he's like, what, you've been 23, 24? He's like, enjoy every moment. Yep, enjoy it while you can. That's what he says, yeah, enjoy <laughs> it while you can. That was so great. And I yeah, love was, that they did good. that. Which is yeah, interesting and, to and, me, too, because, it, you know, four, three, 400 years into the future, they haven't perfected Rogaine. But I, I think maybe that's not the point. I think 300 years of evolution doesn't uh, stop your hair from balding. Uh, and I think that one of the things I loved about Picard and what I loved about Patrick Stewart is that he just let it happen, and he's considered a sex symbol in the Star Trek community. So I'm all for it. And good writing again because uh, they're not they're not playing it by the numbers. I mean, they the the way they write, they don't do what what you expect. So it's, it's not, not on the nose. Not, yeah, it's not on the nose. It's not cliche, and I yeah, appreciate that. So me too. Picard. So Picard drives the point. He wants to know why Jack chose not to get to know him. But Jack diverts and yeah. changes the subject. Yeah. And he just goes on talking and we move away from <laughs> and that, drinking. that particular scene. Yeah. yeah. He goes, He goes. give me some cheap whiskey. And they pour, he start pouring Jameson. And I'm like, oh, come on. That's mean. Jameson's good. It's not that cheap. I like Jameson. Well, all the stations that occasionally can infiltrate wide transporter tech. I don't know. I've never encountered one before. They're goo people, walking, talking, clay dough. They can replicate a person on site alone. Most of the time you could tell, ask them a question that they should know the answer to. Simple question, wrong answer. Boom, change lead. All right, so we go back to Shaw and Seven, and they're trying, trying to figure out the best way to catch this changeling. Right, and and Shaw suggests, listen, and, and I think this is brilliant. Ask them a question that they should know the answer to. And if they don't, then you'll know. Now, I would have thought of that maybe or maybe not. It's very obvious. But for some reason, I was very impressed with the way he stepped up. So much so that I started to think, well, wait, is he the changeling? <laughs> like, I was like, what's going on? Or is Seven the changeling now? Is the changeling Seven? So so there's going to be a twist where it's like, you shouldn't have told me that, right? That kind of thing. But. But it still well, was great. Well, he can't be. He already broke his leg. And yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Yeah, so, so yeah. we know he's real. He's real. But he proves but it. No... He, he proves it by saying, listen, I underestimated you. You're a natural leader. You're going to be captain someday. And he goes, now, was that bullshit? And she's like, oh, yeah, it was, because you're a dick. And he's like, exactly. Thanks. Yeah. But deep down, that, that he was speaking truth. Of seven, I guess, yeah, but he wouldn't say that to her, and that's how he was exactly. proving. He was proving to her how she would know. I, I ugh, such a good scene. Yeah, it was really, really good. Again, great writing. And Shaw says the best way to catch a changeling is uh, to find the the pot that they rest in because that's what they do. <laughs> and she's like, "Are you talking about cannabis?" <laughs> Which was another really yeah. funny line yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, so Shaw, Shaw suggests, you know, going and finding that pot. Yeah. So that's exactly what she does. She goes to the quarters and she finds the hidden pot and and it has his residue in it. So if you find the residue, then you're able to um, 
We'll match you know, it DNA wise or whatever and find DNA the wise and yeah. tune yeah and tune tune your scanners to it and and um and then you're able to at least in theory be able to locate them. That's the that's the theory, right? We always have our theories and our motivations. Doesn't always happen that way, uh, but we try. Unfortunately, the starship faring Jack Crusher couldn't escape the center of the gravity well. That's not possible with my ship's payload. A portal device utilizes gravimetric distortion. And so briefly we go to the Shrike, and this was kind of weird. Yeah, this one kind of threw me. So Vatic is there kind of on her own, and she takes out this knife and cuts her hand. And first, I don't know what's going on. She's doing it over this, this you know, pool of something. And puts her hand down, and it kind of morphs into this really interesting, like, skull head with blood around it. And and it starts speaking to her, and it tells her to go back to the nebula and go after Jack. Like, why? And it, this interesting thing about this scene, Anthony, is, first of all, remember what I told you. She's not the one. She's a hired gun. She's a mer- she's working for somebody. Remember that? Yep, you you were correct. I she's was a right. Gun. She's a hired gun, and here we prove it right there. This person's telling her, and all of a sudden she goes from this tormenting evil genius to just a just a tool in somebody else's game. And she's suddenly vulnerable, and she's scared, and she's like, "I don't know," and "All right," and "Yes, I'll do it." I I knew that was going to happen. Yeah, it was really interesting. And so this whatever, is it a changeling? Is it something else? Tells her to go back into the nebula and get Jack. So once again, I mean, we've we've played this back and forth yeah. because because you know, Beverly said in the in the previous episode that it, it maybe it wasn't about Jack, it was about through Jack we're trying to get Picard. But now this person's saying go back into the Nebula and get Jack. Well, I was your age, um, or thereabouts, and dare I say, perhaps even a little reckless. <laughs> All right, so uh, we jump back to five years earlier, <laughs> right. back at the bar, and Picard is uh, still talking to the cadets. And um, a young officer is asking about the situation that uh, Picard and Elder Jack Crusher right. got into. Jack won. The fame, yeah, the famous story where they they use these techniques when their shuttle was damaged to miraculously escape uh, doom. Yeah, uh, to be rescued. I think he said it was ten fucking hours or something. He used fucking, which was great. Um, I love that Picard throws out an f bomb now and then. Um, let me ask you this: I don't, you know, I I was really versed in TNG, and I know Jack Crusher was all over that series. And I, and one of my favorite things ever is when somebody talks about someone that n- we never see, like someone that's dead. I love that. That's a great technique. Um, was that story ever told in TNG? I don't remember it. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't think so. I just always heard the story of how he died, uh, to my recollection, and that the two were best friends and kind of rowdy. I did get that. And and we could do a listen. We could do a whole prequel on that, Picard and Jack Crusher just. Doing their, th- I mean, I think Star Trek is is rife with opportunity here. Oh yeah, opposite. I, I'm, you know, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, th- I really do think there's a, a lot, a lot of open space to run. Yep. Excuse me, sir. Is this private? 
No, no. Please, come in. Come on. So we so we jump back to the present and we're back at the holodeck. So now, you know, because of systems shutting down and people actually afraid, some young officers start to walk in and they're like, is it OK if we come in? And it's like, yeah, man, just it's fine. Everyone's welcome. They sit down and it just they know they're going to die. They're kind of hugging each other. Jack's watching this whole thing. And. Yeah, he, he's yeah, it's like a wake. Yeah, and he's like, you know, he doesn't need this moment. I don't need to connect with people. I, I've always been on my own. I don't get this. This is uncomfortable for yeah, me. Yeah, but but the deal is though, Picard insists that everyone needs a connection. He points out, and you look at, like you said, everyone is comforting each other. Even the even the Vulcan is comforting. I know. Other I thought that was interesting. <laughs> Vulcan's like, shit. I'm gonna die. <laughs> Let me connect with the, it's, the little bit of emotion that I have buried deep down. It's highly logical that I hug here. you. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but there's a good moment but, there because Jack's like, I don't need this in Picard. And I kind of saw this coming too. Picard's softening, especially with his son, just like Riker told him to. And he's like, maybe I do. I need this. Three, two. So we jump back to sick bay and Beverly still monitoring the biological surges coming from the nebula. The band is playing on. The band is playing on. Now, I will say at this point, I'm thinking there's got to be a way of tapping into the energy. That's that was, you know, my thought at that point. I said, okay, these waves are coming. Maybe we can, you know, um, you know, stick a stick some, you know. Jumper cables onto it. And, well, you're you not know, you're not far fix off. The ship. I I wasn't there yet. I I knew there was something about it that was that was going on, but my thought was my first instinct was don't fight the gravity well. Go into it. Like in, the only way out is in. But turn, you know, that was my theory. Yeah. Oh yeah, but but the good thing is both of us were thinking. I think everybody at that point was like, okay, we're just. We have to utilize those waves in some way. Right. So I, I think everybody everybody was on the well, the, the right Yeah, track. nothing by accident in the writing in this show, for sure. Nothing ever is by accident. Yeah, nothing's ever wasted. <laughs> if you put it out there, it's going to be answered. Hanson to biochemistry lab. I have a substance I need scanned immediately. Biochemistry lab has been shut down to conserve power. May I suggest you use your tricorder? This needs more than a tricorder. Open it up. This is an emergency. So we meet back up with Seven. She's walking down the corridor. She's got her, her little pot. She's got the, <laughs> she's got the yeah. changeling yep. resting pot. Yep. And it just she's coming down the hallway. All of a sudden, the changeling is there, yep. looking like a different different officer. He's a badass. She, this he, guy. He's a badass. Yeah, he pulls out a phaser. Yeah. kills one of the other crew members. Turns around, shoots the the pot. Right. And incinerates it, and then uh, Seven shoots him, and then he turns to gelatinous. Yeah, he's his he's gelatinous self. Yes, well, he <laughs> kind of gets him in the arm, right? And and he's just like, yeah. Did, I, I I don't know, you know, this is a day player actor, never seen him before, but the look on his face and the expression and just the angular look of his face, I'm like, wow, <laughs> that guy's really mean looking, and I, I I loved it. I just he's like, wow, how dare you shoot me? He didn't say a word, of course. Yeah, and then he and then he just kind of. Escapes through the vent. 
you know, and I'm wondering, can seven shoot that? But I mean, how do you shoot jello? Oh, right? yeah. I mean, you could, but you can't shoot the wall. Yeah. Because you probably have right. some kind of vital. Some conduit. You know, conduit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, so this dude is still a threat, or it is still a threat. It, yeah. Oh, come on. You must have heard about the Battle of Wolf 359. 40 Federation starships up against one Borg cube. 50 of us made it down to the life deck. But uh uh-oh, there's just one life pod. 10 seats. So we go back to the bar, and this was a great, great, great scene. Um, and it's just crazy. Yeah. I, I really, really loved it. So, um, you know, Picard is still talking about his shenanigans with yeah. uh, Jack Crusher, the senior Jack Crusher, to the younger Jack Crusher. Right. And um, he's talking about the techniques he used to escape, and then right. Shaw walks in. This is, this is such... Oh, God. One of the things I love about Trek is there's so much canon to play with, so much history... I didn't see this coming. I knew Shaw was a jerk. He didn't care about Riker and Picard because they were relics. But he sits down and he goes, wow, great stories. Anybody ever hear the story of Wolf 359? And I'm like, oh, my!" of course, everyone who's a Trek fan knows that the Battle of Wolf 359, which, by the way, I think should be a movie. I'm just putting that out there, too. Um, it always, I always thought that should be a movie. Uh, and the Battle of Kittimer should be a movie. Okay, moving on. Um, we know that's the Borg. That's when, you know, Locutus was attacking his own Federation. Yeah. I mean, one of the great episodes, one of the great, great episodes of TNG. And so, so many people were affected by that because, uh, Cisco was affected by that. It's the first episode of Deep Space Nine. He's like, I hate you. You know, you, all these people just hate Picard. And, you know, with Deep Space Nine, I, I watched the pilot. I never really watched the show too much, but... But you do get the, you know, you get throughout this this time of Star Trek that Picard's a legend, yeah, but a lot of people hate him because he was Locutus, and they keep bringing that back up, and he keeps meeting people that he hurt, and I just, I think that's the greatest way to to keep a Picard story going is, sorry, your past is not prologue, man. It's now. Do you know where your old man was on that day? He was on that Borg cube, setting the world on fire! Forget about all that weird shit of the Stargazer. The real Borg are still out there, and they have a name for you. Locutus of Borg. The only Borg so deadly. They gave him a goddamn name. All right, that's enough. And so Shaw really just, oh, you know, great twist, story. twists the knife. So he tells he tells the story of how he lived. And yeah. so the ship that he was on, you know, their ship was, you know, crippled. Um, there's 50 of them, and then they get to a spot where uh, I guess they had a ship or escape pod that only had 10 seats left. And uh, a senior officer comes down and just starts randomly picking people, and he was the 10th person pick and and when he says he points you know you you and then he points at himself you know this actor uh the second he points to himself i saw something shift in his eyes like a guilt survivor guilt this is what he was telling me that not and and he, he goes on to say eleven thousand dead in that battle right 
this is not yep. as much outrage about the battle as it is I survived. Survival guilt is a real thing. You see it immediately. That's that's what's going on with him is that survival guilt. And I, and I loved that. I just loved it. Yep. And he, you know, he's vicious. Yeah. He, he looks at Picard and is a, you know, it's he insults Picard and it's yeah. because of you. You, the cutest of Borg. And that's when Jack steps in yeah. and it's like, that is enough. And that I think that's yep. the moment when he became Picard's son. Yeah, I agree with that, and 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 it's compassion. Even though, you know, I think he, he, you know, we know that he chose not to be with Picard. It was his choice not to be his son. He had a chance to reach out, and as far as we know, he didn't. So Picard's like, no, 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 it's okay. And again, this is another great piece. Picard's like, I'm used to it, man. I get it. I was Locutus. I I killed eleven thousand people. I'm just gonna you know take my lumps and walk away i get it yeah is his uh cross to bear is his cross to yes bear. everyone's looking at shaw they're like dude get some decaf and shaw's just like look i i'm sorry somehow asshole became a substitute for charm which was a a very prescient moment for him for his character this guy we barely know i feel like i know him very well yep yep and i have to give it to you, you alluded to this uh, in the first episode, uh, no, in the second episode yeah. when we first met Shaw, that maybe Shaw had interacted with Picard as Locutus. So you went, yeah. yeah, you went on that one, dude. My, I'm telling you, man, my instincts. I get it. I should write for Star Trek. <laughs> so you got that one. It was good. It was good foresight, and so Thank it, you. it paid off, Thank and you. it did happen. You don't need to explain yourself to me. Thank you for your time, Jack. It meant a lot to me. Jack, Jean Luc, there's a pattern. It's building and building, and it's going to crescendo. What are you talking about? This, this, this gravity well we're in. It's drawing in matter and expelling energy, which means somewhere in its center, it is reconstituting the matter it consumes into energy. So in the hallway, uh, Jack chases down Picard, and uh, and Jack t- you know, tells him, and I thought this was another really cool thing on his part. He said, listen, you don't have to explain yourself to me, you know? Right. And I think that, yeah, that was I, showing respect. I thought that was nice, too. And and because Jack, look, he chose not to be with Picard for whatever reason. But he also knows who Picard is and was. And he says, you don't have to explain yourself. And, and there's there's some depth there. And then they're met in the corridor, you know, by Beverly. And suddenly the family's there. But, the, but Beverly's got news. Yep, yep. She informs them that the biological energy waves implies a countdown which harkens to contractions and remember i you know earlier you know the biological i i was always saying we're inside remember i said i said yes you were is this something like uh in um star wars empire strikes back are we inside something and it seems like the answer to that question is yes yeah and and again back to my original theory which was wrong i think was you know maybe they go in but nonetheless, yeah, you were right about that. And and Beverly counting them down, you know, the band is playing on while everything, while the Titanic's sinking and she's got something. And then Jack steps in and he's like, listen, I got an idea. We have no power. We do when those waves hit. You seen the lights? If we knew when those waves were coming, maybe we could plug into them, get a little extra juice and then we could hitch a ride out of them. And so the way they worked that out was incredible. So so they they get Riker involved in the plan, right? And the plan is, look, 
Oh, and, and I love this because I love when they explain technology in Star Trek. I've always been a fan of that. That's why I love Jordy so much because he was the one always explaining the technology of it. And they said, look, this ship has been retrofitted, but not the nacelles. They're still kind of old school. We can open up the sides of these nacelles and harness this energy, just like you predicted, actually. And... And we can, you know, if we could, if we could harness the lightning and flow it into the flux capacitor, <laughs> you know what I mean? Great analogy. Yes, Great exactly. analogy. It's exactly what it's the exactly deal is. It's exactly what the deal is. Yep. Marty has to get it up to 88 with the hook and we'll hit the, we'll hit the thing when the lightning hits and it'll, you know, send us back to 1985. And, and that was the plan. And Riker at first is like, no. And I'm like, Why? This was confusing. To yeah, me. it was a little confusing because Riker, you you you're hesitant. You're being hesitant like you were before, and it seems like Riker just wants to die with. Dignity. Yeah, I think that's probably what it was. Like, hey man, I've accepted my death. Yep, yeah. But Beverly reminds him and just like, listen, dude, if Deanna was here, she would say this would be about trust. Yeah, yeah I'm on team team, team fighting team, yeah, to your last yeah, breath. Yeah, me too. I'm on team flux capacitor. But um, but there, but again, there's something about Riker, and you know. If you, if you, you know, we've seen some stuff about this season of Picard and what they're doing. And I've seen a lot of interviews with Patrick Stewart. And he's always said, hey, man, it's been 20, 25 years. These people have changed. Yeah. But then Riker gets on board. He quickly realizes there's a way to, to get all that hooked up. And everybody's off. We're going to use these energy waves to jumpstart us. I'm not going to lie. It's a hell of a risk. Anything goes wrong, well... Anything goes wrong, we'll all know pretty quick. So then uh, Riker gives this inspiring speech to the crew, tells them this is it. Yep, get some rallied. Yep, and let's let's get it done. Captain Shaw, I realize that I'm the last person you want to see right now, but I need your help, despite the fact that you are indeed a dipshit from Chicago. Then we go back to Shaw's quarters, and Picard and Seven <laughs> drop by, and they they get him pumped up and say, "Hey, listen, you know we got these old ass nacelles, and you're one of you know you're an old ass dipshit from uh, Chicago, right? From Chicago, which is what he said. Hey, I, what do I know? I'm a dipshit from Chicago. He said that in the yeah, bar, and, then- <laughs> and it was it was so cute the, the way he threw it. back. Yeah, it was, it was really awesome. neat. And so uh, Shaw gets on board and he says, "All right." You know, cool, cool. This old grease monkey will get into action. So it's 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 really great. Yeah. So um, we get down to, to nacelle control. Seven and Seven and Shaw are working on it, and uh, yeah. and Shaw brings up a point. He says, "Hey, if uh, you're a changeling, uh, this would if you're a changeling, this yeah, would be the time to yeah, sabotage. This would be the time yeah. to sabotage it. No, that changeling really wanted to screw us. Best place to do it, bag." Be right here, right now. Yeah, he's he, so he's kind of a our meta guy. He's the outsider who shows all of our fans what Star Trek is. You know, he reminds us of Locutus. He reminds us that Picard and Riker are relics. He reminds us that hey, here's a good plot point. He he's kind of our meta voice. Um, I thought immediately that that uh, Seven would go, yeah, you're right, and then shoot Shaw, because I was like, oh, maybe this is it. But uh, that doesn't happen, luckily, at least not there. Yeah, and and Um, Seven quickly radios to uh, Riker. Yeah, and she's like, commander, and he just, or captain, I should say, and he's like, understood, like, they didn't have to tell each other, they know what's going on, and they just need to 
they now need to just get more power. They got to get to 100% thruster power. So that means shutting down life support. Yep, yep. And so, you know, so basically what happened was um, they had to navigate through the asteroid field that, um, you know, took a lot of the remaining power. So the last bit of power they had was life support. <laughs> so yeah. Um, so yeah. Riker makes that decision. He tells everybody, hold your breath. And so, um, yeah, that's this is this is all or nothing. So, um, you know, everybody put the last bit of chips on the table and this is it. So uh, right. we go back down to nacelle control and who shows up? It's Ensign LaForge. There's some confusion here. I, I was sent to help Commander. I specifically told Captain Riker not to send anyone. Commander, it's me. Commander what, LaForge? Commander Hanson. First of all, um, Seven says, I'll be right back, which I think is like, uh, that means Seven's going to come back as the changeling. But no, you know, Anson LaForge shows up and she's like, I'm here to help. And he's like, I didn't ask for help. I told everybody to stay there. <laughs> she's like a valley girl. Duh, my, my dad is, you know, George LaForge. You know, I know all about engineering. Yeah. Yeah. And she asks a question. She's like, so you can't do this with just one nacelle, right? And I'm like, oh, man. It's a changeling. Oh, it's my changeling. gosh. She's, she's a changeling. Yeah. And then suddenly and, and brilliantly, there's this phaser right to her head. And it's Seven, who did not leave. She was waiting for the changeling to show up. Yep. And she's like, Commander, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, my God. My dad. <laughs> yeah. She said, what are you doing, Commander? And then she's like, Commander. Yeah. Commander what? Commander what? what? Hey. Now, last last uh, episode, excuse me. Yeah, last episode, she came to show support. Now, they wrote that on purpose. And they said, thank you, Commander Seven. Right? Yes. Because she's like, I'm with you. And she's like, Commander what? And she's like, Commander Hanson. And I'm like, oh, okay. Boop. She, she shoots her immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Bitch. You know, and so Shaw's like, you know, basically, how did you know? And, and um, it was like, she calls me yeah. Commander Seven out of respect. Out of respect. Let's have a jab at him. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. To that grease monkey from Chicago. There you go. Uh, so now the changeling is gone. We're glad for that. Yep. Open for business. Second nacelle is open. Contact. 7,000 kilometers, bearing 224 Mark V. Help, aft thrusters, 15 degrees down. Aft thrusters. Shut it off on my mark. Aye, sir. Uh, so now it's time for the great escape, and um, the, the um, Picard asked Jack to help him at the helm because they've been navigating through the asteroids. Um, the, the wave hits a Titan, and everything works. Uh, they're, they're shooting through. Well, yeah. <laughs> Well, it was br- it was brilliant too because when the nacelles open, I thought that was neat. I, I by the way, the graphics this season are unparalleled. It's it 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 happens in a couple of interesting sequences because, like you said, they have to navigate the asteroids, which reminded me of the nineteen eighties asteroid thing. Like boom, 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 boom. You got to shoot the asteroids; they're flowing all over the place. Uh, but this was obviously a high tech uh, twenty twenty three version. Uh, but yeah, when they when that wave hits, man, it it's. They're like, you have to ride this thing. It was great. Sirs, contact the Shrike. Mark 019, dead ahead. Is our tractor beam operational? Aye, sir. And lock onto those coordinates. Because of the energy that's coming into the ship, everything comes back online, everything's looking great, and then all of a sudden, guess who's in front? It's the Shrike is right in front of them. And then Riker pulls a brilliant move. He, he basically does to the Shrike what the Shrike did to the Titan, 
he grabs something big with the tractor beam and he slingshots it. Which, by the way, yep. that's Take- the second time they've done that this season. But the first time they've ever done anything like that, as far as I know, in Star Trek. And it's one of the sexiest things I've ever seen. Grab something with your tractor beam and whip it at a ship. I thought that was just incredible. Exactly, because she, because shields mean nothing up against mass. Right. Shields are for, ener- for energy. Right, exactly. Because it dissipates. Exactly. And- it dissipates the, the phaser beam. Exactly right. This one, it's like, no, it's going to hit you. Yep, yep. And so then um, the the strike is disabled. And then, um, yep. then all of a sudden, we see the Nebula's offspring floating around. <laughs> they were inside a womb. Yeah, it gave, it gave birth. <laughs> it gave birth. Which, again, is this is more pure Star Trek. This is more Gene Roddenberry, Mission at Farpoint Star Trek. You know, where, hey, an alien life form has been born. And uh, I, I think it was maybe Beverly who said, we're seeking out new life. And then Riker's like, well, let's boldly get out of here. <laughs> yeah, but, Riker, but Riker's inspired. I mean, so it great. was a great moment. Yeah. But here comes the twist. Here yeah. comes the twist. Excuse me, Admiral. You went on and on about your crew. Your life in Starfleet. Did you have a life outside of that? What about a, a real family? Picard is standing there. And everybody's in, in awe yeah. and wonder. He's looking at Jack, and then we flash back. We flash back yes. to the bar five yes. years earlier. Um, and, and once yep. again, like you say, no moment the is wasted. The kids are still there. Yeah, the young, cad- young yeah, cadets yeah, are still yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. And somebody interrupts yeah. him. And he's like, what about uh, family? You talk a lot about your story. I'm trying to do a British accent. I'm terrible. What about family, right? You, you've told a lot of cool stories. You know, Allah Shaw said that too, by the way. Shaw's like, oh, great stories, but what about this? Someone else says, hey, what about family? Did you, you know, ever, was that ever important to you? And he, and, and, and Picard says in a really almost defiant way, no, I, I never had use for that. And it's, very cold in a way. Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't take it as cold. I mean, he's in the moment. He's already inspired these kids about leaning on leaning on your fellow Starfleet members. You always have hope. You know, you can get through a situation. And, he, and I think that he was just saying that, you know, Starfleet's the, you know, the only family that I've ever needed is basically what he said. Um, right. And I don't... Yeah. Which, which, if he knew, okay, so so let's break it down. So if he knew that was his son asking, he would never said that. That wouldn't have been his no, answer. Of course not. Right, 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 right. But 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 the miscommunication here and the fact that Jack didn't say hi, I'm your son, um, dictated to him. Okay, you're nothing to him. Go live your life. Yep. The only thing that the only thing that I was confused about was that it was only five years ago. If it was ten or fifteen years ago then I could see why Jack wouldn't want to reach out to him. So that would mean that Beverly only told Jack that Picard was his father five years ago. Right, like when he turned 18. Like what you would do when, yeah, yeah okay. think about it. Right, because he's 23, 24. Right. All right, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. 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 So Picard realizes in that moment that he turned his own son off when he made that statement. And I thought yes. that, that was beautiful. It was a good way to bring it all, swing it all back around. And I'm trying to... Uh, and Jack's looking back at him. Uh, maybe not remembering the same moment, but in his own mind saying, we're linked now. We've gone through something together like a father and son. And look, if you read the book Iron John by Robert Bly, that's a, there you go. Facing death with father and son is what brings a man into true manhood. And in my opinion, that's that mythology 
that happened in this very episode. We faced death together, and now we're linked. I know we, well, I thought being away was going to be the answer to all of our problems. But after what we've just been through... I'm just glad that everyone's okay. That you're okay. So everybody's happy, we're safe, we're on to the next part of the story, and uh, we come to Riker, and he's speaking with Deanna, and I guess they're making amends, and he feels rejuvenated by what he witnessed, the new life form uh, giving birth, this new, you know, life in space. Uh, we get our, we get one more twist. Yeah. Jack is at the sink. Now, here's what happens. He's at the sink and he splashes water in his face. He looks up and behind him on the wall, these evil red vines start growing out. Now, to me, that was Picard's moment in First Contact in the beginning where he's at the sink, splashes water in his face. Nice connection. Yeah, looks at his face and the the vines come out of his face. Now, here's my theory. Because Jack goes into some kind of hellscape when he sees something. We don't know why. But, but my theory is that Picard had some kind of Borg technology left over and may have passed this on to Jack. If that's the case, Jack has some kind of Borg something in him, and that may be why they're trying to pursue him. Yeah, it makes him valuable because he's a hybrid of some sort. Yeah, like the Cylons. The Cylons could, could reproduce themselves. Because and here's the here's why here's why I think that because again we bring up Locutus we have Shaw bringing up Locutus, they wouldn't have brought that up. I, I no wasted moments. I think this is all going to be connected, and one of the criticisms I had of the very first season of Picard was that they made him an android, which I'll never get over or forgive the writers for doing that. I think they should have brought back more Borg stuff. Like let's maybe he has to have an implant put back in because he's incomplete or something. And I remember t- uh, tweeting that, and someone wrote back, oh, the Borg story's already over. They told that already. They need to do new things. Well, looks like I was right, because I don't think they're giving up this Borg thing. No, no, it's a great thing to bring it back, because it, it's, it's, a rich, it's a rich story, and, it, it, and it's way more complex. And Without so, a doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really, really good. But when, you know, while we saw um, all these flashes, I could have sworn I saw the Los Angeles skyline blow up. And we see a, a door open with red lights coming out. And so, and someone's talking to him too. Uh, finder, is it? Yeah. Find me. Like find me. Yeah, find me. That's what it was. That's what it was. Is that the Borg Queen? I don't know. Maybe. I, I, I'm telling you, man. It's Borg, 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 Borg. Another great episode. Uh, just a lot of great layers. And so um, I saw a tweet from. Um, from the executive producer, Metallus. And um, he uh, basically said that this is the end of act one of the story. Yeah, and it seems like that because they get out of the nebula and they've kind of evaded the Shrike for now. That's one complete act one story. Yeah, so act two is obviously going to be different. And then, I look, man, act three is going to be balls to the wall, explosive, incredible. They are not going to let us down. I guarantee it. So, Steve, every good show hinges on the performances of each member of the cast. I agree. And this episode, you know, was so rich with them. 
Uh, and there was also some great moments. So here are this week's best performances and moments within Star Trek Picard. Did your old man ever tell you about the time that he and I first met? The Battle of Wolf 359. He was on that board cube setting the world on fire. All right, that's enough. No. No. So, Steve, my number one performance, the best performance in the show, I have to give to Shaw. I love his moment in the holodeck when he was facing off with Picard, when he recalled the story of his experience at Wolf 359. And it was just, I mean, it was raw. It was it was deep. You got a chance to get a, a piece of Shaw and understand where he was coming from and the, the sense of loss and why he felt, you know, why he's angry at Picard. And now you understand why he's so flipped to these guys. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that I agree with you. Um, it just was a banner performance. And Shaw's presence in this season has been, he's just stealing, stealing every scene and just making the show just so much better. The cell one is open. One more to go. Um, my favorite performance was actually that of the CGI crew. I Look, I loved everything about this episode, and, and I agree about Shaw, but I just love the visuals that they're putting in. You know, the nacelles opening up, the, the, the beautiful close-up shots of just outside the bridge on top of the saucer section of the Titan. Every little aspect of this ship... Uh, we're right on top of it. It's flinging the asteroid. Uh, to me, the standout performance was was the graphics. I just can't get enough of it, and they just they delight us so much, especially in HD. That concludes this episode of the Star Trek Picard edition of Energize. For more information, go to www.energizepodcasts with an S. Com. And if you want to sign up for a preview of my new book, The Deletion, book one of the Mindset Chronicles, go to stevetruitt.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Anthony McLemore. I'm Steve Truitt. Live long and prosper. <laughs>